Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Well, you know what also helps? Me starting the game, Distinguished Adventurers, last time on Dungeon Drunks. After a successful trip to the elemental plane of water to recover one of the legendary instruments of the bards, our heroes have returned to Waterdeep. They arrived in the Tower of the Watchful Order safe and sound and are now looking forward to finishing up some loose ends and enjoying a little bit of downtime. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm Eugene Lauren. You might know me as Oboe. I have a Malibu and Mango, and it is very yummy Ooh, something sorry. i didn't know existed until luke handed it to me and it is delicious and it is once again in in it's technically in one of my whiskey glasses but you know it's a pretty glass and so i wanted to use it and that is what i'm going with jonathan what are you drinking hey this is jonathan and i play jonathan the mad muscular and tonight i have a moscow mule in my officiant mug Aww. Aww. and uh it is quite good i've already had a little bit and ooh, i made this a little strong and uh, not not quite Ghost Pepper Moonshine Strong, which I was revisiting uh, because the uh, purveyor of that particular <laughs> uh, concoction joined our uh, Discord server uh, for Destiny because he plays with us every now and then. So, yes, Ethan hangs out with us. Uh, but this uh, shot of Fireball to be consumed at the first casting of Fireball or the equivalent spell thereof is dedicated to Nate Sakari. Nate, thank you so much for your patronage and giving us some support. Yay! This shot Yay! of Fireball and Thanks, any Nate. resulting damage hey, thank you. is for you. There you go. Hey, Moscow Mule, also a favorite of a fellow Oklahoman, Jim Ross. Do not know this person. He's from wrestling. He's a big announcer. Like He does a lot of um... big uh, Oklahoma Sooners fan as well. He's now, a jerk. Now, listeners, you don't Shit. see that glassy-eyed stare we all had when Jack made that obscure <laughs> reference. But literally, all four of us were like, uh-huh. No, no, I, Al I know knows who what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> this one just for Al. Just, just because uh, just he is on the sidelines well, when there were sidelines for Sooner Games. Uh, he was there all the time. Well, you know, this just means that we're going to go next to Travancore. What are you drinking? Good people of Faerun. Travancore's choice this evening is San Pellegrino. Essenza. This is a blood orange and black raspberry flavor. I picked this up at the Wawa local to me. Um, Wawa sort of like Wawa. Wawa. Wow. I've never heard it pronounced that way. So fun fact, uh, there is a guy, our lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania is running for uh, Senate. And uh, he seems to have some pretty decent policies, except that he is from the western part of the state. So he's a Sheets guy as opposed to Wawa. <gasps> Sheets versus Wawa is a, kind of a local rivalry kind of thing. Like, what is the better convenience store? It's um, Wawa. And I've been you to should a not Wawa, vote for that man and I've been to Sheets. For that. It's Wawa. No, you should really vote for him because he's he's got some really good policies. But <laughs> Malcolm Kenyatta is also running, so I'm on the fence. But we'll see. Either one of those two options, because they're primarying each other, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Either of those two options. Winner. It's fine. I'm trying to open this very carefully because I don't want this thing exploding on me. But it's going yeah, to explode no me exploding. anyway. No exploding. While, while I'm opening this slowly and carefully, uh, let me mention, speaking of Jim Ross, I get a chance to try his whole barbecue kit. I've had the sauce already. His all-purpose seasoning is incredible. A free plug for a guy who doesn't even know our podcast exists. Here we what go. What if he does? What if he's a Dungeons & Dragons fan? He's not. Well, <laughs> we, we will find out shortly. I know Brandon Cutler is. Ooh. Okay, so it's like one of those hint of 
flavors. It's like ghostly suggestion of blood orange. <laughs> hint of black raspberry. But it's not bad. It's refreshing. It's grown up. It's like l- slightly more interesting than drinking regular water. And I'll take it at this day and age. I appreciate that it's grown up. Slightly more interesting than drinking regular water is the most... It's, that is the definition of being in your 30s and 40s, folks. Yeah. yeah oh, I, gosh. I'm coming from a different spot. When he mentioned a ghostly impression, I started thinking of phasmophobia again. It's like, blood orange. Are you there? I wouldn't know. Are you there? Blood orange. Jack, what do you want? Are you there? What do you want? Talk Where to us. Where are you? Why do you decorate your house so poorly? All the houses in that game are decorated so poorly. They're, I was not they're bad. Not talking about your they're personal house. They're super bad. Maybe I should upgrade my computer with some of that stimmy so I can... uh play <laughs> this game it's a good time yeah we have an active group of group of friends to play they're actually playing right now hmm. are you right sad? now are you right like now. that was wistful well, that's good no i i have other stuff that i'm going to be doing after this uh grandmasters and destiny dropped and uh i i got i got some loots to get i got a critical role episode to watch so we're going to move on to someone whose house is decorated very nicely bernie what are you drinking oh i will tell you a secret <laughs> oh <laughs> But in order to make sure that uh, okay, Dalton doesn't I know feel, go next. I'm like, this isn't an either or. This is I, not like Bernie's the say, only one with jewels. I think his like honestly, like we are so procrastinators on hanging photos. I want beautiful, all of our beautiful art in our house. But like the ones you see behind me, we hung like two weekends ago. We've been in this house for a while. What am I? What was the question? What am I drinking? What What are you drinking? <laughs> Okay, I have a tea. I had a um, an item yanked out of my uterus yesterday and another one shoved in my uterus, which anybody who has an IUD will know is incredibly painful. <laughs> so yes, I had an IUD replaced yesterday and I am still taking just normal pain medicine, Like, but I'm a pretty firm believer that if you're taking pain medicine of any form, you shouldn't be drinking. Um, so tonight I have tea and I had some Easter candy because Easter's right around the corner and so is Passover and my Jewish husband's favorite candy is an Easter candy. <laughs> and I love that about him because he said, it's just a great chocolate holiday. It is. Mm. I, listen, your Jewish husband and my Jewish heart beat in the same rhythm when it comes to holiday candies. Cadbury mini eggs, if you want to sponsor us in any way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In, yes, if you would like to just pay us in Cadbury cream If you would eggs. like yes. to send bags and bags of those beautiful Cadbury mini eggs that are the perfect ratio of chocolate to hard shell, and the hard shell is like a little more hard than what you'd get on like an M&M, very good. I didn't eat these until Steven introduced them to me. He loves them. I now love them, but also true to my heart and the other thing I had tonight, because just give me some chocolate right now, right? is a Reese's egg. Mm. Is, again, one of the the holiday Reese's have Ooh. the best peanut butter to chocolate ratio. No matter the holiday one, they're all yeah. perfectly better yeah. than their, like normal ones. Perfection. I will say that my rating of them is pumpkins, trees, eggs, hearts, only because... <laughs> <laughs> I love that you've rated them. I love that you've thought about there's, them. There's a tier listing. 
There is exactly. a tier listing. Only because by the time, basically, like, it's, like, very, like, holiday-dense once you go October through December, and there's, like, a lot of, like, treats. And sort of by the time February rolls around, I'm a little, like, cheap chocolate out. Reese's is cheap chocolate. Doesn't mean I don't love it. It's just cheap chocolate, and you can very easily have way too much of that. So I usually kind of forego the hearts. And then by the time Easter rolls around, I'm ready for some cheap chocolate again. <laughs> I have no transition over to Carlton because I've already broken Carlton's. Uh, I've already broken John's heart. So I'm just going to say. Your house is so nicely decorated. It is absolutely wonderfully decorated. <laughs> you know who's perfectly proportioned from chocolate and peanut butter? Carlton. What do you drink? <laughs> <So good. laughs> sure. I like the implication the that you are made of chocolate and peanut butter. You are delicious. Uh, Wait, tonight, no, uh, that didn't work either. Shit. <laughs> Magically delicious. delicious? You are magic. Uh, tonight I'm drinking uh, Calypso Ocean Blue Lemonade. Uh, the reason it's the Ocean Blue flavor is when we were at the store, I asked my wife, like, hey, which one of these should I get? Should I get regular lemonade, raspberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade, or this weird Ocean Blue lemonade? She went, Ocean Blue. And I went, Why? And she's like, because that's the only one that's not a real flavor. Yeah, I was about to ask you about that. What is it she taste like? She knows that part of the job of this podcast is to torment Carlton. So my wife's in on it now. I love your wife so much. <laughs> I do too. Uh, it basically tastes like blue raspberry, blueberry lemonade. It's like, okay. It's the blue that tastes like blue. Sweet. It should taste like low tide. <laughs> yeah. You, oh. <laughs> Which is, it, at best is saltwater taffy, and at worst is is bad seaweed. And ugh, if sludge. you end up on the wrong end of sludge. that, and I it's like seaweed, sludge. Yeah. it's sludge. It's sludge. You it's know what's not sludge? Palatable. Water deep. You have all... You know what smells like low tide? Water deep. Water deep. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a different kind of smell. You've spent the last several days on the elemental plane of water with the omnipresent smell of an. An entire plane of existence, mostly of water. And it's an odd feeling as you now reappear in the teleportation area of the Watchful Order of Magis and Protectors, safe and sound. That is the first thing that hits you, despite the fact that there are windows out onto the city and you are not far from the harbor. That ever present salt water stench to some, smell to others, sweetness to others is almost gone it is a different it's a city air now and it's a city feel and you were gone just long enough to be getting used to the feel of being on the isle of dread and now suddenly here you are back jonathan your clock your internal clock goes and gets back into rhythm and and while you have this strange olfactory moment of dissonance your internal clock is now perfectly on time again, and that feels good. Oh. Are you okay? <laughs> I'm good. Jonathan the Magic Muscular. You look like that time you snorted the wasabi. Don't like to think about those times. So as soon as we like materialize, Jonathan the Magic Muscular is going to go over to Master Zick and introduce Quat. Yes, because you have uh, Quat, your tabaxi guide, who was going to visit Waterdeep and then come back with Jonathan. You also have with you Mitrandis Nightbreeze, the ancient elf waiting, excited to see the stars once again. Although it is daylight, so of course there are no stars, but he, he seems understanding of this. And yes, 
the two of them, if any of you are having the moment of, look, cats and birds living together, there is a moment in where they greet each other amicably. Um, you introduce both Quat and Mithrandis and start to explain what had happened. Master Zick is aware of where you were and what you were doing, and so he's not at all surprised. He's a little surprised with the extra members of your party, but he does greet them and says, you are welcomed here. I'm sure the members here would like to know about your experiences. And Quat speaks up and says, yes, I would be happy to tell them whatever they want to know, but Forrest, I've been told there's a lot of things I want to try here in Waterdeep, and I think I am supposed to leave tomorrow, so could you point me to the nearest bar? So, Quat, uh, there are folks that I want you to meet personally so they can get in touch with you later, and then I promise we will go to lunch at the best bar in Waterdeep. And you can meet my dog! I like both of those things. Let us begin with the meeting of people. Why do I have to meet so many people? It's for magical reasons, Quat. Uh, Jonathan the Muscular finds that it's easier to send someone to sending if they have actually met you. And I, these are people that may be venturing to the elemental plane of water who may need your help uh, being guided back to the settlement from the teleportation circle. So if they, if any, if most of the people who are going to be going on those explanations, explanations, expeditions <laughs> meet you, then they will easily be able to tell you when they have arrived or when they're going to arrive. So these are all people who can now send messages directly to my brain. If that's okay. You get used to it. I'm intrigued. Let Excellent. us meet these right. people who are going to be speaking directly to my brain. Okay, and Jonathan the Magimuscular and Quat go off to, to, to at least an hour or two of meeting hell for a bit. Okay. <laughs> So we don't have to go through no, all no. of the meeting hell. Obviously, Quat is a very charismatic character and is just as intrigued about the first person as the last person that you introduced them to. And I'm assuming this is while you are making some reports and kind of filling everybody in on what you were doing at the elemental plane. Uh, yes. And, and Jonathan, uh, like when he's not talking uh, and if and when Quat is like meeting people and telling people, Jonathan the Magimuscular is actually writing out like a formal report uh, outlined and everything like active voice and uh, and all that good stuff. So it's nice and engaging. Oxford and commas, double don't. spaces between sentences. All of that. Yeah. Jonathan the Magimuscular knows that there are people who would be very disappointed if he didn't Oxford comma the shit out of this. Mage yeah. Hand automatically adds those double spaces when you're using it to write those reports. It's amazing. Quick question. <laughs> who has the Olam Harp right now? I assumed it was Bernie. Let's assume Bernie has it. <laughs> I mean, I will also say in this moment, whatever you say is true. I don't. I, this is not like a trick question. So who does have the Olam Harp? Who wants to have it? It sounded like a real question and all of our memories went, That's huh. why. It was cut day ago in the game and a lifetime ago. In <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Let me give you some context if that will help. Obviously, as uh, before Quat and Jonathan are led off, one of the first people that comes to see you and, and will see all of you before you all leave is Balana Zadok who greets you all, and because it is known that you were going to the elemental plane of water for specifically this instrument, and has been 
informed about what's going on with Thontorvrak and all of these tense negotiations, she says, were you successful in getting the instrument or is this just a pit stop? We got it. Perfect. May I have it and then I can move forward with the plans for the, the concert and the contacting of your dragon friend. Oh, no. <laughs> Why not? Oh, because we'll be contacting him. Okay. Uh -huh. well, that saves me some time, at least. May I at least have the instrument so I can get the plans for the concert started? Why would you need the instrument if it's going to him? Well, I thought it was not going to him. I thought the idea was that the first person to have it was going to be on us as we are preparing for this concert of having all the instruments together. And then eventually we would be lending it back to him. Am I mistaken in this plan? Oh, see, I was under the impression that you all were dual owners or I guess, what is it, patrons of the arts. And so he's lending this one. Well, whether or not he's lending it or we are co-owners or whatever the, whatever the final negotiations shake out, I do need to get this instrument to the bard who will be performing on it. Oh, I'll take it. Are you going to be performing in this concert? No, I'll take it to the bard. I'm not a bard. Do I look like a bard? And she like gestures vaguely to the, the, the scale mail. <laughs> I seem to remember that you were very attached to the last instrument they came on in, so I would not assume. Travancore leans over to Carlton and says, I hear tell a bard can look like anyone. Car Carlton just gives him that blank stare that I'm currently giving him. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Before this conversation continues, we were getting the Olam Harp for... Lotrevac. That was we the were, I, we were yeah. also we had also negotiated where it was going to be used for a concert. Yeah, no, soon. I know that part. I was just making sure because we specifically negotiated that while it was his, it wasn't going to her. No, no. you're you are correct. And, okay, I was just making sure it was going down the right path because I was like, I'm pretty sure we negotiated that this is happening for the concert. But you also know that she is the one that is the organizer. She's been the one that's been looking for these instruments. Uh, she was the one that talked to Travancore and got the uh, the book that was written by Folletier. Like she's been kind of the coordinator of all of this and is the person that had you had to negotiate with in order to convince to do the timeshare with the dragon. Like, she's the water deep half. Oh, I know. I just don't recall the negotiating, including that we just hand over the instrument to her. And I do specifically recall Jonathan the Magimuscular being a little wary. I think what we had determined is that uh, if Balada Zedok does not play ball, we have a dragon to deal with and all of us. So... It's in everyone's best interest to abide by the contract. So yeah. since there's trust involved. Yeah. We... There was no contract, though. This is what I'm getting at. We didn't say, hey, Bolana, we're going to go get this for him. Immediately hand it over to you so you can organize it. We literally, no. so... from my rec recall, and Lauren can correct me, we literally negotiated with him that he'd be a part owner in this. We didn't negotiate Bolana's part in this. She is assuming a part in this because she has been organizing. I also thought... At the moment that you were talking about that you were negotiating with him, that 
Balana had come up and she's the one she is basically the water deep half she's she the one came that you're up, yeah the, she came up as the water deep half but we didn't negotiate like oh she's organizing this and everything we get for you she will because she also you just also said she said i'm gonna loan this back to him which implies she assumes that ownership lays with her that may have been a we haven't dealt with this in months yeah okay. that, that might so be wait, let's establish some things because i like i don't want to call i want my character to cause a fight based on what i assume yeah. we all know and in fairness in fairness uh some of this is muddied because you're unsure of specific motives yeah. Uh, yeah. let me tell you the facts that everybody should know Thontravrak wanted you to go get this instrument balana zadok has been procuring these instruments in order to do this concert when you made the negotiation of, hey, we're going to get you this instrument, but why don't you let us work with the people at Waterdeep so that there can be these co-concerts and you'll be lending the instrument to them. She's essentially the Waterdeep half of this. Oh, yeah, so, I knew that. I'm just trying yeah. to like there was I'm just making sure there was no because like everybody's like, oh, you're not pulling the contract if you don't give it to Balada. No, I still am. I'm just as a agent specifically for Thondraback because she's not my boss. Right. Uh, that's the other thing. Bernie is like, bitch, you're not my boss. You're the boss of Jonathan. You ain't the boss of me. Bernie has big, you ain't the boss of me issues. <laughs> Which is going to give Jonathan a headache because he's yeah. caught in the middle of this. Because he's yeah. caught, which is why Bernie, that's why I was like, oh no, Bernie has the instrument because she, because Jonathan can't have the instrument because he's beholden and Bernie knows that. So I think to me, the sticking point here is that we negotiated that this would be a partnership. We didn't negotiate that we would get back to Waterdeep and immediately give this thing that we literally were contracted to get for someone else to someone else. I assumed we were coming back and at the very least, we are messaging Thontravac to say, hi, we have the instrument and Balana has proposed that this is the bard that plays it. What do you think? Let me say that, one, my recollection matches Jules's. Basically, that I don't remember anything about handing it over directly. I thought we were going to Trontrack first because he's the one who charges the getting yes. And then at that time, he can participate in the thing, send us back, whatever it is. And two, I seem to remember, and it's been a while, that Balana Zadok was the one we suspected of talking to Thontrack separately this whole time. Is that something I'm remembering wrong, or no? That you are remembering we're not, that correctly. Yeah, we're you, not sure. You've got you've got no proof of that, but that is the the suspicion that Jonathan brought forward. I know what kind of untrustworthy Sondervac is. Well, Carlton has a recollection of Kyra Carlton sailing the seven seas. Pyra Carlton right. sailing seven Jonathan seas. Jonathan the Magimus perfect recall is, is going to uh, Gordian not this. All right, yeah, or anti Gordian not this. Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to propose that he that we message Thontrofrac. We meet outside of Waterdeep and we negotiate the contract. We we lay out all of the terms and we do this today. Yes, in the afternoon because we do have some other things we have to take care of first. Because Thontrofrac can get can probably get here pretty quick. Let's 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 end any questions. Let's okay. let, now that we have the instrument, we hammer out a formal agreement now. And so okay. we're going to give us the sending stone, right? But you can cast sending to him anyway. I guess either way. Yeah. Uh, okay. well, I don't. I don't need this. Oh my god, that conversation! Right. I would pay. I would pay real world money to watch Lauren <laughs> act talk out to myself as two different dragons. That That's some... ladies and yeah, gentlemen. Pa- Patreon content. Lauren <laughs> just sitting there. Playing one, like, basically misanthropic dragon and another dragon that's just is like, 
if you uh, if you listen back to the episode, one of the reasons that the the four of you got a chance to chat for as long as you did is I'm I was kind of doing exactly that in my head was going through what that conversation was um, <laughs> and and made a roll or two even. Oh dear, <laughs> you cannot know what that was until uh, a little bit later. But let's let's go back to the present to the things that you can know. So none of that has happened out loud. Bernie has said, you know, that uh, talking to, uh, bringing the instrument to whoever, not giving it to Balana. She looks annoyed, but not upset. And she says, I thought we had this all figured out, but oh, if you insist on talking to the dragon first, I thought all of that was negotiated, but that is fine. Oh, no, we didn't negotiate particulars, but you know what would really, really help us out since you have been in contact with all these bards and you have these wonderful community contacts? If you could get us kind of like a bio sheet and if they have like, you know, um, you know, sometimes on the playbills you get like a professional artist and they like draw. If they have any of those headshots left over, if you have like a short bio and a headshot, sort of like, we don't really need like a CV. I don't think he wants the full CV, but that way we could hand that over to Thontervac and then he would feel like he has a little more ownership of this. Even if you've already picked them out, he's like, oh yeah, I agree with this selection. And so when we go talk to him, we'll be like, here are the bards. And he can be like, yeah, I approve this. I am wary about handing over the names and details of what are assumably innocent bods who are caught in between us to a dragon. That but what would magic. he do to them? It's not he like... Could, he could scry on them. He could. In fairness, he could. But in the same fairness, it's like if you're going to hire somebody to work for you, and if I owned a bardic instrument, I feel like I would like to have some say in who's playing it. Because I could offer up to play it myself, and that would be a disaster. Well, what about blind auditions? He doesn't need headshots of them necessarily. Let, why should people who have I think an we're getting a little too much in the weeds. I mean, I Let's, think I, I agree. Let, uh, let us concern ourselves with the who is the owner of the instrument, who is going to be at least taking ownership of the instrument in the short term. And if possible, I would like to not involve any other parties, including bards who are just under contract for a single for a single concert, who are not going to be holding on to this instrument for that long. I would like to keep their names out of a dragon's mouth. Let's all let's I will message and we will meet outside of Waterdeep, all of us, Belana representing the interests of the of the artists of the city, Dontovrak representing the owner of the instrument, and us as, as acting as the trusts who have the instrument in their custody right now. You can't possibly think that he's just going to give this to you, right, Bolana? No, I thought the whole idea of this was that he was lending it to us because he wants to hear it played. Yeah, just making sure we're on the same page. I thought we were, but if you insist on talking to him first, then that is fine. I think this this situation is exactly why we need to hammer out the details uh, solidly and in in a written form. She looks at all of you and... Bernie, give me a persuasion check just straight. Just straight persuasion. Yeah. No, no, like just... Just a I've, straight persuasion check. It's bad. It's a nine. 
she looks at you. She looks at the instrument in your hand. She looks at all of you and she nods and she says, I think getting some more clarity, especially when it comes to dealing with a dragon that can decide to be ornery, is a good thing. I do not think me being there is a good idea, especially so quickly. So I would ask Neither if you are I. going to be insisting on speaking to Thontorvrak first before we go forward that you will have a better negotiating position without me there because I will not be comfortable. I do not think it is a good idea to be negotiating with a dragon in the first place, but I am upholding the bargain that has already been struck. So... For the moment, if you want to keep possession of this instrument and get all of the details worked out, and then when that is done, you can come and inform me of the details. And that way, everything is kept very clean. Sounds good. Works for me. And what are, what are all your passive insights? I well, was going to make a, a really snide question. comment, but I'm interested in this first before I have Bernie make said snide uh, comment. Wow. She doesn't want to get Jonathan in trouble. Uh, 13 for Travancore. And what was Carlton? Uh, Carlton's passive insight is also a 13. And Bernie? Oh, 15. Bernie, yeah, you immediately pick up. She is, it's, she's annoyed, but she's not annoyed at any of you, which is why you pick it up. Because you're, you're kind of, like, on purpose goading her. You know that the things that you're saying are going to make her upset, are going to throw this wrench into her plans. And she is very clearly annoyed by it. But you can kind of pick up, like, the way that she looks to the side a little bit, the posture, the words that she is holding onto a little bit more in her mouth. You don't know exactly who or what she's annoyed by or if it's just the situation in general. But her annoyance is not directed at any of you. Hmm. Could, in noticing this, can I do a more directed insight check or is it just... I'm going to say in this moment, that's that's kind of what you get. It's an in, that that you notice that because it is it's not what you expect. Anyway, as you do have this moment, she kind of smooths out the front of her her robes and she says, Jonathan knows how to contact me when you've got this all figured out. I will be here uh, putting together some of the details. And she basically dismisses herself. All right, and now Quat and I go to meeting hell. <laughs> Quat and, I, and you go to meeting hell. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into one single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from our favorite D&D streams, books, and Faerun's lore. Every week there's something new happening, and the game is available on almost any platform. Need some loot to gear up your champions? We're happy to offer a free Electrum chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on May 9th at 8pm Pacific, so open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. K-O-J-I-M-U-D-S-P-Y-E-S. So use that code and let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops, back to the show. At this point, everybody kind of splits off. Quat and Jonathan are going to go do all of the meetings. The three of you are left with Mithrandis Nightbreeze, 
who is kind of standing awkwardly around. That was very tense. Yes. I'm sorry if I contributed to that by not understanding what's going on, but nope. no, no, you did not. No, it's not all, all you're all good. Well, while you're here, was there was there a place you wanted to go or wanted to us to take you to or anything like that? Nothing really. Nothing specific. I've... Is there a like tall public tower in Waterdeep or You're kind of in the tallest one to be honest. Like the the Amethyst Acropolis is one of the tallest. Not public though. No, but you are in it and you've been in it enough and Jonathan is a, a high enough ranking member that you all think it would not be especially since I mean, I'll I'll make this plain. You're pretty positive there are going to be people here who are going to want to talk to both Quat and Mitterandus about their experiences on the plane of water, especially since Jonathan has told you that he's anticipating there will be now more uh, frequent back and forth between the two. So getting information, firsthand knowledge would be invaluable. And you all think it would not it would not take a lot of persuasion to get Mithranda set up talking to some people in exchange for being able to stay here at the Amethyst Acropolis for when the the stars come out. Hmm. There are other options as well, but yeah. you do know that is a possibility. Yeah, that's what I think we I should mean, do. I <laughs> mean, part of me thinks that, like, if I'm back home after, like, decades, centuries, maybe millennia in another dimension, maybe the first thing that I want to do isn't sit through an intelligence briefing, because they can talk to him tomorrow just as easily. But maybe we'll give him some op- maybe um, the driving course thought is to give him some options about what he wants to do to present the option of doing that, you know, going through the saying the amethyst or just going to the city and just grabbing a pine, just sort of breathing air as a sort of being back in the material plane. I think both of those are excellent options. I'm I've never been to this part of the Sword Coast. I've, it was so long ago, I don't think if I, I would remember if I had. I will be honest, I'm curious about the city, but the idea of just sitting and having the moment to watch the sunset and the stars come out are all I'm really interested in at this moment. But, and you see. What time of day is it right now? Uh, he actually glances out the window and you all take a look and it's it's just afternoon. It is a winter's day. You've you've come back in the middle of winter in Waterdeep and so it is still cold. There's still snow on the ground. But so you think there's probably about another four-ish hours until sunset. But he does kind of nod at you and f- food would be nice if I'm able to come back here afterwards. I've got just the place. And driving Korokan emotions towards the, uh, gosh, the <laughs> the Golden Rock Tavern. Took me a second. I almost called it the Golden Griddle, griddle again. I mean, it is the Golden Griddle. That wouldn't be off. That wouldn't be off brand. Okay. Um. So you're gonna go with Mithrandis Nightbreeze to the Golden Rock Tavern. Uh, would Bernie and Carlton like to join him, or are you going to go other places? Uh, Carlton's gonna see a woman about a boat. Oh, yeah. Travancore goes. Like Travancore is going to hand. Carlton, the wand of polymorph, and says, here, you might need this to, to get Murray back. Not use it on her specifically, <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> this is an exchange because she wanted something valuable from the from the material plane of water, and this is the first the best thing I can come up with. And I'm not going to use a wand of polymorph anyway, so better for Captain Langley to have it. <laughs> do you give her the collapsible boat? or did you, did you I'm going to give that to Carlton, too. Carlton, like, yeah. 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 
And Bernie's going to go with you because she wants to see her dog and she wants to have dinner. Cool. Or dinner or whatever. Actually, no, she in the last, in this, in this day, she's eaten enough hot dogs to last her for a while. So she probably just wants a drink. Ah. Uh, I've heard an early dinner called supper before, too. I'm not sure if that's entirely accurate. I don't know. <laughs> it was one that one out. Was... I'm, I should know this because I'm a historian and I've read as a child too much Laurel Ingalls Wilder, but it's always been interchangeable in my family. Always. It's whatever, whatever works. Okay, so Travancore, Mitrandis, and Bernie are going to head to the Golden Rock Tavern. Um, unless there's anything specific you want to do there, yes, drinks, food, Bernie. Gestock is very quick to get your dog. And <gasps> there is a brief moment in where you and Coco Snoot are reunited in undignified fashion, but Coco Snoot is very hello, quick hello. to. Oh my gosh, 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 were you good? Were you good? Were you good? Were you good? Did he give you a lot of treats? You look a little fat. Were you good? I bet you got a lot of treats. I mean, it's hard to not to yeah. those eyes. Come on. Come on. Yeah. This is talent. He wasn't spoiled too bad, though, for all of his puppyish excitement at seeing you and wagging butt and slopping your face with his tongue. He does not jump on you. That's he's He's got. He's remembered not to What a jump. good boy. Super You're good, good boy. boy. You're a good boy. Did you miss me? I missed you. Did it tell you that there was some... Um, dinosaurs and do you know that they did lightning you would not have liked it in any way shape or form but i think you would have thought about eating them and as bernie and her dog reconnect as travancore and mitrandis enjoy a, a pint and some good warm food i didn't bring him back a dinosaur bone what kind of owner am i oh my god it's all right you didn't, also didn't bring back a tiny dinosaur for murray actually birdie dinosaur bones tend to splinter so it's actually really good that you didn't because they are related to birds and bird bones splinter and you can't give your dog chicken bones so ergo you cannot give your dog dino bones so you were actually a great dog owner. Very responsible. That's true. That's true. Super, super responsible. And and now I need to find... You just felt really, really, like, actually emotionally bad there for the imaginary dog. I got you, girl. Aww. I was just like, I didn't bring you any, any special thing. So we will take a moment and skip over to Carlton as you head for the docks. And you do find, without too much trouble, the Scarred Serpent, the currently stationary ship. It's deceptively locked in ice at this moment, but you know that the giant icebreaker on the front could be very quickly deployed to get it free. To break the ice? To, to <laughs> literally and figuratively break the ice. Um, you are allowed on board pretty quickly and... I'm just looking up Valeria. I've forgotten how she sounds. And so guess what? She's going to sound different probably, but that's okay. You are quickly let back into the captain's quarters where Captain Valeria Tide Turner Langley is currently poring over what looks like manifests, but she is bundling them up as you come walking on in and are unannounced. I give that little courtesy tap, tap, knock as I'm coming in the door. Yeah, you're being actually let in. So one of the one of the crew, uh, we'll we'll say uh, Vera, Vera Weeping Zane, uh, gives a little doot, doot, doot. Captain, you got you got a guest, and then she turns and is bundling up the the stuff. Ah, Carlton, how are you? I'm great. I'm alive. Alive is good. Alive, alive, and did you find what you needed? Uh, I believe we did. 
So I've come to return your folding boat. Excellent. Thank you so much. You were such a good friend in need. Excellent. I'm glad it could help. And you watch as she waits for the door to close and for the two of you to be alone before she'll then say, was there any problems with it? No, it was great. Okay, good. It was a lot of fun. Good, good, good. I suspect you're going to want your friend back. Yes, I've missed Murray. I think he missed you, too. And she will take, I'm assuming you're handing her the folding boat. All right, she'll take that and you watch as she walks over to her desk. And while it's obvious she is opening up a secret compartment somewhere on the desk because you watch as she like reaches under somewhere that she should I I cover my hands over my eyes. They're like, (laughs) I'm not looking. You hear her snicker, but it is out of your line of sight. And so while it's obvious what she's doing, you don't see enough of it to really grasp where it goes. And then it's just gone. And then, and then you actually do notice Murray sitting on top of her desk, just out in the open. And so she puts a hand on top of his skull and says, I did already talk to him today. I didn't know you would be back or else I would have held off. But we've been no, having fine. some morning chats. He's, he's interesting. He's, uh, you can see why I like to keep him around. Are you fully aware of where this skull came from? Uh, no, we've never gotten around to asking him that, and he always seems to have memory problems. So we just kind of leave it be sometimes. Okay. I'm not going to say I've gotten anything more than you probably have, because he he did the same to me, but... I don't know, I'd be careful with with this one. Why is that? Uh, I mean, beyond the whole fact that you've got a talking skull that seems to be fairly ancient, that seems to know a lot about a lot of things... we live in a world of magic and wonder, nothing really surprises me anymore... (laughs) Ah, I I appreciate that you've become so world-weary so quickly. <laughs> However, it's only been a few weeks. Do not let that world-weariness blind you to some hidden dangers. I'm not saying Murray's dangerous. I think he's sweet. Well, what did you do you know did you even know where he came from? Oh, I've no idea. He wouldn't tell oh, okay. me. But my experience is that when people keep secrets, there's usually one of two reasons. It's bad. Or it's real bad. Or, or, it's embarrassing. I would include that in the bad category. Mm, because not, embarrassing's not always bad. It's just embarrassing. Like, when I shoved that up on my ass, it wasn't bad, it was just embarrassing. Oh, it was bad. I have not heard this story. I would also classify that as bad. Anyway, you don't currently have the opal up your ass. No, no, no. I, I okay. ended up sell- selling it for gold. You know, that would be what you usually do with an ass opal. Have you told Murray that story? You should tell Murray that story. Oh, he's aware of that story. Okay, good. And she picks the skull up and hands the skull on over to you and says, are you going to be in Waterdeep long? Uh, yeah, I think we're still here for another couple of days. Jonathan is making trips back and forth to the Plain of Water to help some of the denizens who want to make it back to the material. So if you want to go to the Plain of Water, <laughs> hit up Jonathan. <laughs> no, no. I spent my entire life avoiding that place. Thank you very much. But it's good to know that if Umberly decides to make things difficult, that I might have a sideline around her. So that's good to know. Yeah. No, we, uh, he's uh, you know, bringing people back and forth here in a couple of days. So yeah, we'll be around Waterdeep for a few days until, you know, something, uh, something floats our boat. Pun intended. Pun very intended. Uh, we're probably going to be here for another 10 day. And then I think the weather's finally breaking enough that we can 
we've, we've got some orders coming on in. We've got some ideas of some places that we can go. So depending on what you're looking for, if you need passage somewhere, keep me in mind. We might be Always. finally heading out of this joint. And whether if we don't need passage, whether we're leaving first or you're leaving first, we'll make sure to have a good send off for one of us. Definitely keep me updated. I and keep me updated about your skull. Yeah, I will keep you updated about the skull. All right, I'll talk to you later. And she gives you that that I'm not dismissing you, but I gotta go back to the shit that I was doing. Yeah, the I, <laughs> hey, I enjoy your company, but I'm busy today. Yeah, I should go. Yeah, I should go. <laughs> I should go. Thank you. Carlton <laughs> has been picking up on more social cues as of late. <laughs> yep. And so you head on off and... um. Uh, as I'm leaving, I'm kind of singing under my breath. Carlton and Murray, best friends back together. Ah, uh, Murray. Okay. We're going to fast forward a little bit to just before sunset. Jonathan has finished up all of the plethora of meetings and the uh, giving of information with Quat, um, and the two of them have joined all of you at the Golden Rock Tavern for dinner. Quat is enjoying one of everything on the menu, and every time you say, oh, Quat, have you tried this? His answer is, no, I don't think I have. And then very quickly he gets drunk and you realize Oh, yeah, he's actually tried some stuff. It's just been forever. And so he just wanted an excuse for you to buy him all of this food. Mitrandis is being a little more picky, but is enjoying uh, himself as well. But when the sky starts to darken, he does stand up and say, I don't have any way to pay for any of this. And I can't thank you enough, but I do need to. I need to go. I need to see. I need to be there when the sun goes down. I understand. It's a pleasure to meet you. We got you, buddy. Yeah, we, we got a running tab here. I I think I will be at your Amethyst Acropolis for a little while. It is It is quite gorgeous, and I'll figure out what I'm going to do from there. But for the moment, if you need me, I'll be at a window. And he gathers up his few things, gathers up a, a coat that had been literally given to him by one of the Watchful Order initiates because he arrived in clothing for the tropics and there is still snow on the ground. So he's literally got like Watchful Order gear, like, because that, that's all that we had. <laughs> Pretty much. It's nice, but it's like... It's like a branded Leatherman jacket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, this used to belong to somebody, and then they got eaten by an Oitiug, and so now it's yours. Here you go. But he he heads on out into the cold and into the snow, um, and you are all sitting around. Quat is four beers in and <laughs> is holding on to the fifth. This is... We don't have this on the aisle. Ah. And he starts to lean onto Bernie. <sighs> hey, Gestock, can we get a cask of that to go? Uh, I, oh, God. It, uh, and Bernie's, like, pushing. She's like, Gestock, Gestock, I can't. My apologies, my apologies. And he starts to lean in the other direction onto Carlton. <sighs> That's much better. Oh, man, I didn't really want to die of fur asphyxiation today. And uh, Travancore, she didn't ask about the polymorph wand, so here's your polymorph wand back. Oh, sweet. Nice. Um, and Gestalt, can we get a cask of the ale to go back home with our friend since he seems to be so in, uh, 
enamored by it, inebriated by it. Yes, fun to go. And Gustav kind of just shrugs and and says, "Yeah, I can I can get you one. They're kind of heavy though. I don't know how hard it's going to be to get that to the plane of water, but eh, if you're going to pay for it, sure." Movie magic. I mean, magic <laughs> muscular magic. <laughs> oh, and Carlton, I'm sorry I gave away uh Murray. I'm glad we got him back. And I'll apologize to Murray next time we talk to him. And it's fine. If we didn't get him back, I would have a new skull. And he just looks dead at Travancore. Oh! <laughs> Travancore just kind of feels around his head and then turns around. There's lots of skulls around. I get a skull every time I go out. Are you a headhunter? I did not no. know. No, Carlton. No. Not Travancore's. I'm just saying. I got my cobalt skulls. None of them talk, but I can make them talk. No. You no. know, I have taken many trophies from those that I have killed, but never something that can talk to me. That's, that's creepy, my friend. That's creepy. You should meet Murray. He's really not that creepy. I should. I should meet Murray. Who is Murray? He's our This skull. is Murray, and I show him the skull, which currently can't talk, so he just thinks we're insane. Yeah. Quat looks at the skull. Quat looks back at you, Bernie, and says... Are you sure this is normal? He'll be able to talk tomorrow. He can only talk for 10 minutes a day. I trust you because you are paying for dinner. And he promptly <laughs> leans back over onto Carlton's shoulder and starts to snore. And Bernie so- slumps down on her hand and sighs and says, I wish I was hungry. You know, tiny stomachs fill up pretty fast. Is there anything else you would like to do this evening as the, the day winds down? Travacor's going to cast Speak with Animals and see what Coco Snoop's been up to. Oh. Okay. In this, in this moment, Travancore, as everybody is kind of enjoying a nice calm moment, having some food, what does casting Speak with Animals look like? Let's see. Speak. Do I have to describe the mechanics of the spell or just like... No, I feel like thing? you should I... have to eat a dog biscuit. <laughs> Just just give me the flavor. What's the, like, is there any verbal to it? Do you have to move your hands? Is there any, you know, like, what does it look like when Travancore casts the spell? There is a verbal and somatic components to it. As far as uh, the flavor goes, like, Travancore probably hums a song to himself that sounds kind of like walk with the animals, talk to the, <laughs> to the animals. That's awesome. Coco Snoot is currently seated next to Bernie, like always, but has been way more attentive at being close to her. Not in the I'm begging for scraps way, but in the, you know, I I just want to be near Bernie. And actually, the first thing you hear, Travancore, as you cast Speak with Animals, do you cast it on Coco Snoot or you just cast it on yourself and now you can speak to all animals? I forgot. Let's see. I think it's cast on self. Yeah. So I cast on myself. I can talk to all the animals around. So the first thing you hear actually is Shadow, who is in the middle of saying, and then we saw a rainbow and then fish fell from the sky and there was fish everywhere and it was the best day ever. And then Kokosnu says, this is not what I was expecting from you being gone. This is very strange. Oh, are you going to be Coco Snoot? You don't me to, need me to make something up? <laughs> I, I'm going to be Coco Snoot in this, okay. mo- in this moment, since you don't okay. know what Coco Yeah, Snoot I was, was like up. sitting there like, I don't know what happened, but I can <laughs> think of something. I would totally trust you to make up something that would be awesome, but but for this moment, 
as Travancore can suddenly come into this conversation, what do you say? Well, it sounds like you're caught up, Coco's new as to our exploits. Uh, did we miss anything while we were gone here in uh, Waterdeep? And you heard Shadow say, oh, it is time for us to have family talk time in our heads. And Coco's new says, no, bear, we are not talking out loud. We are talking to your human. What did I do? The fat one is easy to ply with puppy eyes and wagging tails. Watch. And as Gestock walks on over with um, a tray in order to pick up some empty plates and everything, it's very subtle. Coco Snoot doesn't shift very much, but looks up at Gestock and wags his butt just a little bit, and his ears go go back just a little, and he gives the pouty face that all of you are familiar with that dogs can do. Just that little bit of... If he made a noise, you'd hear, oh, but he doesn't actually make a noise. And Gestock, like clockwork, reaches into a pocket and pulls out a tiny little bit of, of a, a treat, like like a half of a half of a treat and goes, here you go, buddy, and throws it to Coco Snoot, who You see Bernie absentmindedly. She's like in conversation with them. She just like reaches a hand down and like rubs Coco Snoot behind the ears. And she goes, that'll do. And she just goes back to the conversation because she's proud of her little con man. (laughs) And as the stock walks away, Coco Snoot looks back at you and says, the time of retreats is over. <laughs> and that's what Coco Snoot has been up to. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> and yeah, I think on that note, we'll pause there. And the next time we get actually, no, oh, we'll do this after. The next time we get together, something interesting is going to happen. So we pan out a little bit. As you are all sitting at the Golden Golden Rock Tavern, enjoying your company, thinking about all the things you've got to do in the next couple of days. There's Thontorvrak to talk to. There's other preparations to make. There's deciding on what to do next. And the camera pans out through the window. And the sun has set and the stars are out. It is a remarkably clear evening here in the winter of Waterdeep. And we see a figure heading towards the Golden Rock Tavern. No, wait, we actually see two figures. There is a lanky, bowl-cut, blonde-haired human with kind of a shy smile on his face that we recognize that is walking towards the Golden Rock Tavern with another figure, a halfling bundled up in a cloak of green leaves and bright red hair. And that is where we will pause. <laughs> and the Yay! next time we get together, we'll pick up right here Yay! as you're all finishing up being at the Golden Rock Tavern. But let me give you some experience for, for getting your dog back, for getting your skull back, for getting... <laughs> I love that you came back to Waterdeep and you're like, I need my dog, I need my skull, I need I need this, I need that. Uh, for wanting the CVVs for all of the bards, for having a very intense conversation with a a mage at the Watchful Order and putting Jonathan in the most precarious of positions. Look, I'm just trying to remind, Bernie knows at the end of the day where Jonathan's loyalties lie and she's going to make sure he yeah. never forgets it. 
I don't think you need to worry. I think he knows and I think you know and I think that was a, a fun moment to have. I'm going to give you a total of 8,000 experience to split between the four of you and the next time we get together we've got some visitors. Is that is that little bull cut doofus everyone's, everyone's favorite druid? Oh, Yay. God! <laughs> Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons, and extend a special thanks to our top-tier patrons. Thank you Megan, Lori, a.k.a. Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Adi, Linnea Boyev, Rebecca, a.k.a. Bunny Monster, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.